Hi, this is Philip Lovesey, the Snake River Lib uh, podcast, um, January 4th, good morning, 2020. Uh, I wanted to talk about the recent uh, killing of the Iranian general in Iraq by uh, the United States. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of bombast from both sides on it on one hand. You have the neocons who are celebrating, and they're celebrating because they know that it likely is going to precipitate a war with Iran, and not a pretend war, but a real war, a war that we don't want. Not a question of whether or not we would win it. I don't even want to discuss that. But here's the thing. We've spent the last uh, 20 years expending whatever kind of military surplus that we had. All the while, our enemies, uh, Russia... China have been building up their militaries. We've been expending ours for nothing in, in the Middle East and Afghanistan. And Iran is not uh, Afghanistan. Iran is not Iraq. Iran has a strong army. And while they may not be able to defeat us, uh, we will lose... Um, we won't lose the war probably, but how many lives are worth, it's not worth it. It is not worth it. John Bolton, Senator Graham, there's many, many, many people who, who are, have been chomping at the bit for this war. Shoot. I mean, how many people wanted to turn Iran into a sheet of glass for years and years and years? You know, I at one time was even one of those voices. Now it's like, let's get out of there. There's no purpose in us being there. Now, I would ask a question, why was an Iranian general um, working with um, um, militias in Iraq? Of course, part of it, by the way, Iranian uh, militias were fighting ISIS in Iraq. Uh, we might want to ask ourselves that question about, about how they were there and how they were doing that, and which essentially means that they were fighting on our side against ISIS in Iraq. Hmm, might want to think about that. On the other hand, you have all the Democrats who, who you know, first of all, you know, Iranian general bad. They have to say that, right? Except for the squad. They're, they they were in love with him because, well, he was against America, and they're against America too, so um, they, they don't care. But the rest of the Democrats, you know, he is a bad person, but here's here's a hint for you. If somebody says, well, he was a bad person, but they don't mean he's a bad person. They just realize they have to say it. They just have to pay lip service to the fact that he was leading um, an insurgents inside Iraq, whether in, in uh, cahoots with the Iraqi government or not. That remains to be seen, and that needs to be found out because here's the problem. We should not be sending a sizable military force into Iraq to defend our embassy in a sovereign country. You know, there's been comparisons of Benghazi. And by the way, I just want to point out that when liberals or progressives point out that this is Trump's Benghazi, they are essentially admitting all everything that conservatives have said about Benghazi was true.
just let that sink in for a little bit. They don't realize it. I don't, I don't think they have the capacity to realize that. But when they say this is Trump's Benghazi, that's what they mean, is Hillary Clinton and President Obama screwed up. They realized they screwed up. They peddled out a lie. They had poor Susan Rice go out there and lie to willing accomplices in the media on five different Sunday shows about about what was the protest, what it was all about. Trump didn't do that. He just sent in sent in the Marines and Apache helicopters and drones to kill to kill. Um, these Iraqi militias, which included um, a very, very high-ranking Iranian general. Iraq, we've been told, is not Libya, is an organized country, is a sovereign country. If they're a sovereign country and Iraq is not willing to put its military in between protests and uh, um, Iranian-backed militias and our embassy, then we need to close our embassy and get out. Because either Iraq is in cahoots with Iran, which is likely. I mean, they're both Shia-based uh, Shia, uh, governments. Or, or it's not the organized government that we think it is. And we need to get out. We've been at war for close to two decades in the Middle East, directly at war. Most of which stems from a 2003 uh, vote of an authorization for use of military force passing Congress. The fact that we're still justifying military action on a 17-year-old bill reflects that, that we don't care anymore about uh, the Congress and what the Congress does and the fact that our military has failed. Not the soldiers, mind you. Uh, not the soldiers, but the military leadership and the strategy and the civilians in charge, whether it was uh, Bush 43, whether it was Obama, and yes, even Trump, because Trump in 2016 ran on getting us out of there. And he hasn't. He ran on getting us out. And he hasn't. And now we're getting in even deeper. Congress, just like Senator Paul has said, he said it before, say it again. If we want to use military force, fine. Let Congress vote on a new authorization, or better still, a uh, uh, vote to go to war. Because that's what you're talking about with Iran. You're talking about a real war. You're not talking about a pretend war with Iran. You're talking about a real war. Which our enemies would just love for us to do. To deplete our military even more. I think it was the, um, so the Duke of Wellington that said there's nothing worse uh, than a battle won than a battle lost, something like that. 
bad, bad, bad. Um, not a good thing. I'm going to shift gears for just a minute. Um, uh, talk about what's going on in the nation. Um, I mentioned it just briefly with the uh, reapportionment of Congress uh, with the upcoming census. Um, uh, states are going to be losing uh, um, seats in Congress because of uh, 1911. They set the number at 435 when we had one-third of the population. Oh, actually, just a little bit over 25% of the population that we have now. Congress doesn't represent our nation the way it should because there's not enough members. If you were to apportion Congress today like it was apportioned in 1911, there would be around 1,300 members of Congress, and they would better represent their individual districts. But we're not doing that. Congress doesn't want to let go of the power. By having so few members, they not only can dictate the committees, which is very powerful decisions in and of themselves, and the more committees you're on, the, the more cool you are. They need to change that, but they won't. Our, our limited government experiment is completely incompatible with our big government that it has become. I always have said before that we need to go back to the way things were. Uh, we need to restore the Constitution. And I think that we do need to restore the Constitution, but it's not going to come from Washington. I'm going to be uh, uh, tailoring a future Snake River Lib to that. Um, but for now, I'll just leave that. Um, we're watching um, Venezuela repeat itself in California. Uh, the elites haven't realized it yet. Um, they have their walls. They have their private security. Meanwhile, the, the poor and the middle class who are trying to get by are, are, are suffering. And they just demand more money. You want to see where the, the, the spread between the poor and the rich is greater than anywhere else in the United States? Go to California. And yet they have the highest taxes for the rich. Imagine that. The progressive income tax system that was established in 1913, which was to solve income equality, seems to have just made things worse. And every time they try to, try to uh, um, raise the taxes on the rich, it seems like that spread just gets bigger. We'll talk about that in a future time, too. Anyway, this is a short one today because i got a lot of things that are going on. So with that, this is Snake River Lib. Remember, uh, taxation is theft. And, as always, the question, should the government, the answer is almost always no. Thank you, and have a great day.